From the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania and Sirius XM, this is the Work and Life podcast, which explores how to create harmony among the different parts of life, work, home, community, and the private self, your mind, body, and spirit. The conversation you're about to hear was originally recorded on the Work and Life radio show on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by Wharton. Here's your host, founding director of Wharton's Work-Life Integration Project and author of the bestseller, Total Leadership, Professor Stu Friedman. My guest for this episode is Julie Foudy, who is the former captain of the U.S. women's national soccer team and a current ESPN sports commentator. Foudy is one of the most accomplished female soccer players in the world, playing for 17 years on the U.S. national team. She participated in four World Cups and three Olympics, uh, winning gold. In 2007, she was inducted into the Soccer Hall of Fame. She is passionate about women's rights and founded the Julie Foudy Sports Leadership Academy. She was on a commission uh, that was empowered by the Secretary of Education to review Title IX legislation and did critically important advocacy work there. Uh, And she continues to be a supporter of particularly young women and boosting their leadership potential and performance. We're going to be talking about how she made some important, critical, early career decisions uh, based on what mattered most to her and how she mustered the will to do that. Leadership lessons that she's learned on the field that can be applied in any setting. We'll talk about her Sports Leadership Academy and how her work on empowering young women to become change makers is working. And finally, the backstory on why she fights for women's rights. And now, here is my conversation with Julie Foudy. Julie, welcome to Work and Life. Hi, Stu. Good evening. <laughs> Good evening, indeed. It's, uh, it's so great to have you here. Julie is one of the six people that I've included in Leading the Life You Want, Skills for Integrating Work and Life. And uh, the two people from Sports and Entertainment, uh, that sector are Julie Foudy and Bruce Springsteen. Now, why, why did I choose you, Julie, to include in this book? Your... That is an excellent question. I have no idea. I can't answer that. <laughs> I know you can. I can, though. Uh, it's because uh, not only of your remarkable achievements on the field, uh, where you are a two-time Olympic gold medalist and world champion, um, because, but it's rather because of um, how you got not only to that level of achievement in, in, uh, in the sports arena, but what you did off the field especially in, um, in uh, standing up for the rights of women in sport and in helping uh, girls uh, across America and around the world to develop their confidence and their capacities as leaders in our society and what that's meant for you personally. So uh, let, me, let me ask you to scroll back here a little and help our listeners um, understand how you got to where you are uh, and how uh, you've developed one of the skills that I focus on in my analysis of your story, and that is to know what matters. 
Um, how, did, how did you come to understand and really have the courage, I would say, to make the tough choices that you did, for example, uh, in high school when you chose soccer over graduation or uh, when you became the first athlete to go overseas to inspect a factory before accepting a, a big endorsement from, uh, from one of the um, sports uh, um, equipment companies? Right. Where'd that come from? Um, you know, I think probably my parents. I, when I look back, and of course you don't realize this when you're growing up, but I was the fourth of four kids, mm-hmm. and um, and maybe it's a consequence of being the fourth of four kids, mm-hmm. or I like to think of it as actually they were just very hands-off in a positive way. There to support, there to encourage, but, I mean, to the point of not coming to soccer games when I was was little. You know, if they showed up at a soccer game, it was like, oh, my gosh, your parents are here. Wow. And, and then I'd be like, yeah, okay, yeah, that's fine. Hmm. So it wasn't like I was ever dependent on their praise or their um, motivation. Everything I did, I did because I wanted to do it. I loved to play or I mm-hmm. loved to um, – to do sports or school or whatever it was. And, and I think I was obviously innately competitive, but mm-hmm. I look back and now that I'm a parent, yeah, I think, wow, how healthy to realize that I'm going to give guidance and I'm going to be there, but I've got to let them fall. I've got to let them make decisions. Mm-hmm. I've got to let them be independent thinkers. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of that came from, I, I think. Yeah, that makes perfect sense that they had the... Uh... Uh, the strength themselves to 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 let you be on your own when you know, when you needed to and to be able to make decisions for yourself. So is that easy for you as a parent or difficult? Uh, how's how's that evolved for you? <laughs> how how old are your kids now and and how are My they? Kids are five and seven. Okay. So um, so they're still quite vulnerable. Yeah, and it's so it's it, I mean right now. Um, it is you know it's it's interesting because as they go off to school and. Um, we've we've tried to structure our lives where we choose, you know, friends and schools and communities that um, fall into line with more our philosophy. And, and so we mm-hmm. sent them to this incredible school here in San Clemente that's a Spanish immersion school and, um, and appropriately hands-on but not um, hovering parents. You know, a lot of the parents work. Half the school is Hispanic, and the parents have two, three jobs. So we liked that. We liked the diversity of it. So we've really tried to be conscious of, you know, given the climate nowadays where everything is done for your kids and, Hmm. you know, I'll tie your shoes, I'll put your clothes on, I'll brush your teeth, I'll even put the toothpaste on your toothbrush, for God's sake. You know, all (laughs) these things you find yourself doing and then you're like, stop. Hmm. And I have to remind myself. So we've really tried hard. And I think having parents who were, um, appropriately that way, I think is really helpful. So learning to know what matters is, uh, is in part a function of how you've been reared and, and being given the independence to make choices yourself. Exactly. Because when you have to then kind of walk through the different scenarios, and, I mean, your, your example of I chose to go to Italy with the U.S. Women's National Team and that decision meant I missed my high school graduation, which was, and for any high school kids, that's a that's a big deal. So it was pretty tragic. It was emotional. There was a lot of drama. Mm. Friends saying, how could you miss high school graduation? 
But in the end, it's where I won my starting spot on the U.S. Women's National Team for soccer in the very beginning of my career. And so mm-hmm. I look back on that, and I remember asking my parents, what do you think? <laughs> and I think nowadays a parent would be, well, you should go. This is the U.S. team. You, There's no question. Oh. Um, because people, you know, they want success in sports and, and competitive to play at the highest level. And, mm-hmm. and my parents were like, I don't know, what do you want to do? Um, and so I didn't have anyone to blame when I made the mistake. <laughs> I didn't like the, you know, the outcome. Well, I can think of no better recipe for learning how to know what matters, which is, the, you know, one of the three critical skills that I think your story demonstrates and that I write about in the book, uh, than than just that method. Now, how do you do that, like with your team at work? Uh, is that is that a, an idea that you carry with you in your other relationships or in your team on the soccer field? And, you know, in, and in the Leadership Academy, too. I'd, I'd love to hear how that philosophy plays right. out in terms of how you're, you're training and, and you know, inspiring young women uh, yeah. in your leadership academies. Well, I, I think one of the things we talk about in our leadership academies, I mean, the, the, the actual main theme of the Leadership Academy is Choose to Matter, which we have on everything. And I am a big believer um, that there's not a box on your birth certificate when you're born that says, I'm a leader, check here, you know, <laughs> that you have a decision and that you have a choice and that leadership mm. is just that and that it comes in all these different shapes and sizes and styles. And I think for young girls in particular, which is why we started the Leadership Academy, they often think I don't fit a certain mold or I'm not the most vocal, I'm the, not the most confident. And so I find in women and girls and young women, that instead of raising their hand, they take a step backwards. Mm-hmm. Instead of giving an opinion, they defer to their friend to find out what Sally thinks. And even the most confident, athletic, popular kids in, in young women, I find that to be the norm with them. And so we started this leadership academy with the whole theme of you have the decision. You choose. You choose what you want to do in life. You choose your attitude every day you wake up. You choose how you approach life. And when you finally get that, and someone once told me a quote, success isn't a matter of chance, it's a matter of choice. And when I finally got that, you know, success isn't a matter of chance, it's a matter of choice. And when I finally got that, which I think applies to leadership, it was this great epiphany. And I think that's what I teach and what I try and live by when I'm teaching or working or captaining, as I did on the, the, the U.S. team, of, you know, when you empower others to make decisions and, and be independent thinkers, then you just have a stronger group, you know, because then they know you trust them, you believe in them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a healthier environment. Absolutely. But uh, it cuts against the cultural values that many girls are growing up with. Right, which is which is why this academy is so amazing because, and clearly I'm biased, but amazing in the sense that for me personally I get so much out of it because I see this transformation where the girls learn, oh, it's okay to raise my hand, it's okay to speak up, it's okay to, to voice an opinion, it's okay to be a bit different. And, and they've probably been hearing it from their parents or maybe in school or in different mm-hmm. scenarios, but to see it and, and see it from... Uh, different examples we give or to hear it just from a different person uh, is is really this powerful transformational experience for these young girls. And, and that's the really amazing thing I love to watch is that once they get it and that light bulb goes off, you've just now, I think, changed the life in, in such a positive way. 
And, and what kinds of impact have you seen as a result of people's experience uh, at the what, – what exactly is the name of the Leadership Academy? Um, it's really creative. Julie Foudy Sports Leadership Academy. I can remember that. <laughs> I need to work on that name, too. <laughs> no, I think it works. Um, I think it works. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, we, get, we get comments all the time of um, my kid is totally different. For example, we have them go home with a leadership project, a service project. A, a big portion of it is, is not just you know leading on the field as an athlete, but leading off the field in your community and doing positive work. And so... And I really think more just to plant the seed that everyone has the potential to lead, that leadership's personal, not positional, is what we always say. I say that, so, too. You do? Of course. When I talk about leadership and teach it, I say it's not about the position. I mean, there are aspects of executive authority that are special, but it's really all about you, the person. Yeah. It's about mobilizing. personal, not positional. Absolutely. Yep. Yes. Keep going. So... And this idea that if they go back into their communities, even if it's something really small, like I'm going to give time once a year at, you know, a local nonprofit I support, or mm-hmm. I'm going to go visit the senior center once a month and spend an hour reading to the, you know, some of the seniors there, whatever it is, a lot of them do clinics um, for kids with disabilities, but they come up with the idea on their own and then they take it back into their community and they have to create a team around them to help uh-huh. support it. They have to ha- you know, find mentors. We talk about the importance of having people in your life you can go to and ask questions and learn from and constantly soak up you know, knowledge from. Um, <clears throat> they have to work with their, their parents, so that I think is a healthy relationship in terms of doing something positive in the community. So mm-hmm. they go back and the really cool thing is it's this quiet kid, it's this shy kid that maybe is a little bit awkward, lacks self-esteem and confidence, and then they go back and they start this project, and now all of a sudden the school's taking it on, and the community wants to do it, and now they're making it an annual thing. And these are the, the stories we hear from parents when they come back, and it all just started with the idea that, hey, if I had a magic wand and I could make a difference in my community, what would I want to do? What are you passionate about? What do you really care about? Or is it maybe bullying in your school and you want to start a club? Or is it the environment? You want to clean your local park because it's always dirty? And it's and it's really cool. To Everybody's got something, girls. right? Yeah. That they, want to, something. that they want to make better. So what do you see? So, you were saying that it's cool to see what happens to them? Yeah, exactly. That transformation. From perhaps being unsure to being more confident. I've exactly. seen I've seen some of the videos of those girls shouting, Choose to matter, uh, with with <laughs> full heart. Change. Sorry, I am the change. I am the change. Hi, this is Stu Friedman, and I hope you're enjoying this conversation. If you like our podcast, Work and Life, I'd really appreciate it if you'd take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes. We've just recently begun to bring you conversations for free that were previously only available on my SiriusXM radio show, which I started back in 2014, to paid subscribers. So every rate and review helps us to advance our mission to share ideas for action that we hope are helpful to people interested in creating greater harmony among the different parts of life. Thank you, and now let's get back to the show. 
Um, one of the aspects of your story, which I think is so important, is what happened with uh, with Title IX about 15 years ago. Can you can you give us just a brief recap of how you got involved in the struggle uh, about Title IX and and what what you did and what you learned from that? Oh, uh, let's see. Gosh, where to begin? I I actually and I and I um, this is a big issue for me. I didn't even know what Title IX was growing up. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of young kids, We every year at my leadership academies, we ask how many kids know what Title IX is. And one kid actually raised her hand, one girl, and said, um, it's that golf club, isn't it? <laughs> um, which, so what is uh, Title IX for some of our listeners who might not know? Well, it was a, an educational amendment that was passed in 1972 that was uh, meant to help women, of course, get into universities and colleges and the byproduct of it, the fine print, and Senator Birch Bayh, who was con- who's considered the father of Title IX, he said to me once when I was out working on it with him, uh, that, which you mentioned, this panel I sat on, um, he said, if they had known we included sports in the fine print, I don't think it would ever have passed. And what the, the fine print said is any institution that receives federal funding have to um, not only provide equal educational opportunities, but they also have to provide equal sports opportunities. Um, and so I didn't really know what Title IX was until I got to college. I went to Stanford. They didn't at the time have scholarships because even though Title IX had been passed about 20 years earlier, a lot of the schools hadn't started funding their women's programs. And it wasn't until my senior year at Stanford, even though I could have gotten a full ride elsewhere, I really wanted to go to Stanford. Mm-hmm. Um, that they offered me the first women's soccer scholarship my senior year. But really, the great thing about Title IX, besides you know providing opportunities to play sports, is you provide all these opportunities for women to to get an education and to and to grow and learn in sciences and, and not just you know sports. But and, so, um, so what compelled your involvement in that, and what what sort of you know raised your consciousness about the role that you could play in in helping to sustain yeah. Title IX? I think the Women's Sports Foundation, which is which was founded by Billie Jean King in 1970s, and I was the president of that in the early 2000s, and so um, they were great advocates and proponents of you know supporting opportunities for women to play. And Title IX, I think, has been one of the most profound civil rights laws we've had in this country. Unfortunately, it gets a bit of a bad rap because it is sometimes equated with men's minor sports being slashed. If we had a couple of days, I could argue that one too. But I don't. I think it has been a really profound sports law. I mean, civil rights law, because when it was passed, one in 27 girls were playing sports. Now, one in three. It's actually like one in 2.5. Wow, that's yeah. That's that's amazing. So, uh, Julie, we're going to have to wrap up here. Uh, what's the one most important thing that you want to leave our listeners with in terms of what you've learned about your own life and career and being able to challenge the status quo and and stand up for what matters most? In terms of challenging the status quo, well, that's a good one, Stu. Uh, Donna Lupiano, former president of or or executive director of the Women's Sports Foundation, once told me, because I think I must have been saying to her, gosh, I, was, I think I was even actually fighting for Title IX at one point, and I was getting hammered by politicians who wanted to change the law. And she said, you know what I've learned in life, Julie? If everyone likes you, then you're not doing the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> 
So if, if people don't like it, it means you're standing for something. Not mm-hmm. everyone's going to like it. You got to stand for something. I thought that was good. My other theory in life is uh, is is smile through it. You got to enjoy what what you're doing. Is is you gotta, that there's got to be laughter? Is, is and that's how you got to be known as Loudy Fowdy, right? Because uh, I'm very quiet and shy. So. <laughs> Uh, Julie, it's been so great speaking with you. Thank you so much for being uh, on the show tonight and for being a a part of this project. Uh, It's really been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for including me in your book. Uh, Well, thanks for being a part of it. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Julie Foudy. She's such a wonderful example of integrating uh, passion, in her case for women's rights, leadership lessons from the real world of her experience on the soccer field and her career success and in using uh, that experience and passion to help young women learn and grow and gain confidence as leaders in their lives. Such a, a compelling exemplar of what it means to lead a life in harmony and how that starts with knowing what matters most to you, and then having the strength and the support to act on that knowledge. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Work and Life. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work and Life. This conversation was originally recorded on my weekly radio show on Sirius XM 111, Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Tune in for live broadcasts of Work and Life on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. For more about today's guest and about previous guests, check out our blog at workandlifepodcast.com. Join the conversation by tweeting at Stu Friedman. And for more ideas and tools for creating harmony among the different parts of life, check out our website, totalleadership.org, and my book, Total Leadership, Be a Better Leader, have a richer life. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends, family, and coworkers. Until next time, I'm your host, Stu Friedman, and I thank you for joining me.